Merkel Media. You think that I'm running in place? Y'all really testing my patience. Right before I blow up the spot, I had to get back to the basics. What if my talent is wasted? You see what I'm lacking to place me? Since I rap in the basement But my come up is legend, is greatness I don't care now, it's pedal to the metal I can never quit now, I will never settle Puppet to the game, I'm pulling strings like to pedal We in the same game, but I'm on a different level I passed it, gotta keep grinding till I'm laid up in the casket No fake round, but you feeling too plastic Yeah, y'all feeling too plastic They say my style crazy, but then it's straight jacket Whoa. Why you still testing my patience? Trying to turn me into something I ain't trying to be All the haters in heavy rotation You gon' lose yourself, quit testing me Don't make me lose my mind Don't make me lose my mind Don't make me lose my mind Cause I'm looking like Wesley, test me Don't make me lose my mind Don't make me lose my mind What is good? Those of us that are sticking it through these injury-riddled games, thank you for being here. You are officially, officially, officially not a fraud. Anybody who watches Sixers games only when they are 100% healthy and tunes into post-game lives only after they win. I'm sorry to say you are a fraud. Welcome to the show. My name is DJ Eastwood. This is Running Back Philly. No frauds, no fanboys, no intros. Hit the like button on the stream. That would be greatly appreciated. If you would like these shows in crystal clear audio form, they are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, whatever other podcast apps are out there. These shows are on it. So if you want to pop in your earbuds so you don't have to listen to your wife tell you to wash dishes or you want to mow the grass or whatever you want to do, you want to listen while you're driving so you're not tempted to look at the screen, go over there and get the podcast. Every post game live is posted the next morning. Thank you to Merkel Media for that. And uh, if you haven't done so, pull out your phone right now. Go to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review, man. Search Run It Back Philly. Leave me a five-star review. Say something in the say something in the comment thing, bro. Go ahead. Do it, man. I would appreciate that. Check out the merch store. Link is in the description. What else? Uh, let's get down to business. The Philadelphia 76ers still playing without James Harden still playing without Tyrese Maxey. Lose to the Memphis Grizzlies, 117-109. to And the first thing I'm going to say is at least it wasn't a complete blowout ass-whooping like the Cleveland Cavaliers game was. At least it wasn't such an ass-whooping that Doc Rivers could just get up in the post-game press conference and say, this was a scheduled loss. You know, it, like it's like if you lose by... Nine, you can say, okay, how did you lose this game? But if you lose by 50, you can just say, that game kind of didn't count. So at least it wasn't a blowout. At least we can assess the team, all right? Uh, I was actually really, really impressed and happy 
with the Sixers' effort in this game. The talent versus talent, not so much. The, 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 the athleticism versus athleticism, not so much. But I couldn't question the Sixers' effort level in this game. They fought. They hung in there. Every single time they were almost down by 20, they, they, they made a little bit of a run and cut it, cut it back. They cut it to within six in the fourth quarter. Uh, Joel Embiid did, I think, everything you could ask him to do in this game. Going up against what he was going up against, working with what he had to work with. So I was happy with the Sixers' effort in the game. I knew they were outmanned and outmatched from the jump. The story of the game, as anybody that knows a little bit about ball, or at least does a little bit of research on a sports app or something like that, as anybody that knows a little bit of ball knows, the story of the game was rebounding. And points in the paint. I tweeted before this game started. If you're not following me on Twitter at Run It Back at IMDJ Eastwood, what are you really doing with your life? And follow the Instagram page at Run It Back Philly, man. I post on there regularly and I post stories and links to the videos and the stream. So catch up, man. Catch up. I tweeted and I said, Are you guys ready to watch this 76ers team against a young team with athletes that get up and down the floor? Uh, and I said that for this reason. The 70s, the, the, the Memphis Grizzlies are the number one offensive rebounding team in the NBA. The Philadelphia 76ers are like 29th. The Memphis Grizzlies are the number two total rebounding team in the NBA. The 76ers are 27. The Memphis Grizzlies are the number four Transition team in the NBA, the Philadelphia 76ers are 27th. The, 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 also, the Philadelphia 76ers are in the bottom five in transition defense. So this was a clear mismatch, especially without Maxi and without Harden. I knew the, the, the strengths of the Memphis Grizzlies were going to show themselves against the weaknesses of the Philadelphia 76ers. You know what I'm saying? And that's exactly what happened. Steven Adams had 10 offensive rebounds. Also, you're playing Steven Adams and Jaron Jackson Jr., who is also six foot eleven. So you have two six foot eleven guys on the floor at the same time, but they fit. Right, you can't just throw any six foot eleven guys on the floor at the same time. You can't Al Horford and Joel Embiid. Somebody brought this up the other day, and I completely agree that could have worked. The problem was trying to fit Al Horford, Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, and Tobias Harris on the floor at the same time, and Josh Richardson. I mean, good lord, it was five forwards on the floor. What were we really doing back then? But the Memphis Grizzlies have two six eleven guys on the floor at the same time. The Seventy Sixers don't have two six eleven players on their entire payroll. Every other team has them. Every other team has them. Every other team has them, guys. Every other team has them. The 76ers built a short, slow basketball team. 
So you knew that was going to be the story of this game. Steven Adams had 10 offensive rebounds. He had 16 total rebounds. Jaron Jackson Jr. had five blocks. That's mostly the story of the game. The rebounds, the offensive rebounds, the second chance points, and the fast break points. And here, I'll just show you. I want to start bringing, bringing some, uh, some things on the screen. Get, get, get interactive here, all right? Here you go. Memphis Grizzlies out-rebounded us 64-50. to 50. Assists were almost tied, so we moved the ball well against a team that moves the ball well. Uh, steals were almost tied. The Memphis Grizzlies had, good lord, 11, count them, 11 blocks. 11 blocks. A lot of them. Some of them. Uh, a lot. I, I, I want to say three of them were on Joel Embiid. I want to say three of them were on Joel Embiid off the top of my head. Uh, we shot a good three-point percentage. The field goal percentage was pretty even. Free throw percentage. Here's the stories of the game right here, guys. Points in the paint. The Memphis Grizzlies had 60. We had 46. Second chance points. The Memphis Grizzlies had 25 to our 11. And fast break points. As anyone could have guessed, a young team that's athletic and gets up and down the floor versus an old slow team that's who's like majority six, seven, six, eight. Old, slow, and short team, nine fast break points. Young, fast, athletic team, 24 fast break points. What can you do? What can you do? Um, Joel Embiid versus Steven Adams. I, uh, I think Joel Embiid did everything you could have done in this game. And, and and Steven Adams is the one center in the NBA that can guard Joel Embiid. I, I bring up Steven Adams a lot when I talk about Joel getting slowed down by certain centers in the NBA. Uh, Steven Adams is that guy. He's a gigantic human being. He's 6'11", 270 pounds of solid muscle. He looks like Aquaman. Uh, you know, I would, if he, I don't know if he has any videos, I would like to watch the guy in the gym lifting weights just because he's like a gigantic, you know, six eleven, the rock. Um, yeah, he, he's, he does a good job of slowing down Joel and B, but I thought Joel didn't back down and I thought Joel went at him a lot. I thought Joel fought a good fight. I thought Joel fought a good fight. Joel and finishes a game with. 35 points. Get the box score. Joel Embiid finishes a game with 35 points, 11 rebounds, 8 assists, 1 steal, 3 blocks, a plus 9. You can't really ask for much more against uh, out of Joel Embiid against Steven Adams and Jaron Jackson Jr. When, it, when, when, when the guys around him are Shake Milton, DeAnthony Melton, PJ Tucker, Furcon, Corkmaz, George Niang, Daniel House Jr., Paul Reed, Matisse, Tybal, Montrez, Harrell didn't play. Joel did everything. If Joel didn't play in this game, we lose by 90. Let's call it what it is. Speaking of plus minus, Shake Milton was a minus 15. Furcon, Corkmaz was a minus 11. George Niang was a minus 13. And good Lord, Paul Reed in six minutes was a minus 16. Uh, yeah. But I think Joel did everything he could do effort-wise. Um, 
So I, I was happy with Joel's effort and how he fought and tried to drag this team to somewhere they didn't belong. You know, they again, they were down by almost 20 a couple different times in the game. And they clawed their way back and at least tried to fight. And I like that. They, they had it to, to six points with 30 seconds left. Um, Joel took the ball from the top. He, he, he said, I'm going and getting a bucket. I'm bringing this team back. I'm winning this game. You saw the fight from him. You saw the heart. He drove, tried to dunk on Steven Adams. And Jaron Jackson Jr. just had a nice, a nice block at the rim. May have hit the side of his hand, but I'm not mad at the refs not calling that. That's a good effort from Joel against two guys that are 6'11 to play good interior defense, and they just got a nice block out of it. And it it, it, it happened several times in the game. Um, but, you know, that's that's really that's really the, the, the story of the game. I mean, at the end of the day, you have bench players trying to make game-winning plays. That's That's what we're doing here. That's why... 80% of the fan base stopped watching. That's why nobody gives a shit right now. James Harden's coming back on Monday. Thank God. At least we'll have something to talk about. At least we'll be able to assess it a little bit. You just can't really assess these games. We're, we're playing with, with our guys, you know, and I thought they fought. You take two stars off of any squad and they're not, they're losing this game. You know, you take, you take, uh, Take Darius Garland and, and Donovan Mitchell off of the Cavs. Are they beating the healthy Memphis Grizzlies? No. The Grizzlies were without Desmond Bain, who is a really good player also. But take two stars off of any team. They're losing this game. Take Jason Tatum and leave Jalen Brown, but take, but take Jason Tatum and, 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 I don't know, Al Horford off of the Celtics. Are, are they beating this? No. You know? Take LeBron and AD off of the Lakers. Take Kawhi and PG off of the Clippers. You know? So it's it's tough to assess these games because we're playing without our guys, but I, th I thought we fought hard, man. I thought we fought hard. Um, super chat from DVW. Thank you for the super chat. Much appreciated to anybody that supports the channel, supports the brand, supports the movement. $20 super chat. Let's get an MVP chat for DV. DVW. The Sixers have had nearly half a decade to make it past the second round. The people saying have patience are unreasonable. We suffered through the tanking days for a team who now looks less than a second round exit. Look. D, thank you for the super chat. But I do think you are overreacting because this team is injured right now. Here's what we need to keep in mind, everyone. Here's what we need to keep in mind. And I rant and rave about Doc Rivers every day on here. There's people that unsubscribe to the channel because they're tired of hearing me talk about Doc Rivers. I don't care. Here's what we need to remember. Doc Rivers, is he a good coach? No. Is he going to outcoach anybody? No. Is he going to get creative when you need a coach to be creative? Absolutely not. Is he going to get the most out of young players? Fuck no. Is he anything close to a Greg Popovich or a Phil Jackson or a Larry Brown? Hell no. But 
He has a championship. How does he have a championship? His roster was good enough. At the end of the day, Doc Rivers is going to play eight or nine players in the playoffs. You need eight or nine good enough players to win an NBA championship. And let's not forget this. We have Joel, Hans, Embiid on our basketball team. In his prime, healthy, at an MVP level right now. And I got news for you. I watched Joel Embiid in his rookie season, air quotes rookie season, that he only played three months of. I watched him in his rookie season before he was this good, before he could finish a game with eight assists, before he even knew how to pass out of a double team, before any, before he knew anything. I watched Joel Embiid take TJ McConnell, Robert Covington, Luke Ba, Mute, Alexi Shved, whoever, whatever other bums were on that squad. I watched them go 12-5 and five in the month of January because Joel Embiid is that damn good on both sides of the ball. So we we need to we take it for granted. We forget. We straight up forget that if you put the right players around Joel Embiid, you can compete with anybody in the NBA. If you put the right players around Joel Embiid, you can compete with anybody in the NBA. And now he has this passing ability. He's finishing game with games with six, seven, eight, nine. Assists, if you put the right players around Joel Embiid, you can compete with any team in the NBA. If you get James Harden back healthy and he's shooting a decent three-point percentage, and Tyrese Maxey comes comes back healthy, and he's creating off the dribble and shooting the 40-plus percent from three that he shoots, and maybe at the trade deadline, you move Tobias because you, I, I think P.J. Tucker, Tobias Harris, is a weird thing to be doing in a starting lineup. You're playing two power forwards. There's some things going on here for sure. But if you construct this roster the right way and you just get two or three good level bench players producing, DeAnthony Melton, maybe you get George Niang, uh, making some shots, which he wasn't tonight. He was brick, brick, Niang tonight. He was a, he was a, he was a 1987 Ford Windstar minivan tonight. You know what I mean? Sometimes he's a 2022 Honda Pilot with the sliding doors on both sides and the flip down DVD players. He was the old busted 1987 Ford Windstar minivan tonight. That's what you get with George Niang. He's a bench player. He's going to be inconsistent. But if you get two or three bench players that show up in the playoffs and everybody's healthy and Joel's playing at MVP level and James is doing his thing and Maxie's playing at the level he can play at, you can still compete with anybody in the NBA. Don't forget that. I forget that too much. I don't think the roster construction is good. I don't think it's perfect. I don't think it's exactly what you need. But Joel Embiid is so good that he can overshadow. He can hide a lot of issues. He can. He you you saw it a couple nights ago. Without him, we would have lost. Without the, without him, we lose this game by ninety. But a couple games ago, when we won, he won the damn game single handedly. Who was he got? The Hawks against the Hawks. 
So that's all I'm saying. Let's not overreact and act like this is the worst team of all time and they have absolutely no shot. They're not healthy right now and there's a couple of weird fits still. I think if Daryl makes some moves around the trade deadline, we can compete with anybody with Joel Embiid and the right players around him. With that being said, I think Daryl Morey might have had, uh, outside of the D'Anthony Melton trade, a, a horrendously atrocious offseason. P.J. Tucker, Daniel House, Montrez Harrell. P.J. Tucker put on a Sixers jersey and immediately became terrified of shooting a basketball. He won't shoot it. He won't shoot the damn ball, bro. He won't shoot it. Bro, I'm so fucking tired of seeing this dude catch the ball in the corner and pump fake and dribble and pump fake again and pass it. I'm so sick of seeing that, bro. Shoot the goddamn ball. I said I was going to take that word out of my vocabulary. I apologize. Shoot the gosh darn ball. Anyway, that's how I feel about that. Thank you for listening to that little rant that I just had. I appreciate it. Shout out to everyone in here. Hit the like button. Subscribe to the channel if you're brand new. You know the drill. Uh, we got another super chat here from uh, Jordan Pollard. Thank you for supporting the channel. Thank anyone that supports the channel. You know what, Jordan Pollard, just for you being here and super chatting, you get an MVP chant too. Jordan says, how are people in the chat hating on Harden right now talking about should have traded for Halliburton's SMH? Well, I, I Jordan, I, I play both sides of that because of this. You, you, you went for James Harden and you're trying to win now. I get that. And James Harden aligns with Joel Embiid's timeline, right? Joel, he's going to be 29 next year. Let's call it what it is. Seven-foot centers don't stick around forever. You know, he really has maybe two, three, four really good years left in the NBA if he can stay healthy. Um, so I think James Harden aligns with that timeline, and I think if you're trying to win now, the James Harden trade isn't a bad move if you can get James back healthy uh, and producing the way he was producing at the beginning of the season. But Tyrese Halliburton is 22. Uh and he is leading the league in assists per game right now. And he's a very, very, very good point guard. And the reason people say that you should have traded for Halliburton is because at the time, you could have gotten Halliburton and maybe Buddy Heald for Ben Simmons straight up. And you would have kept your draft picks. And you would have kept Seth Curry. And you would have kept Andre Drum. I'm not talking about all the intangibles of the contracts and how the trade would actually match up, but I'm just saying that's why people say it. That's why people say it. And then I think Halliburton aligns with Tyrese Maxey's timeline a lot better, and then you have something for the future. But if you're going for win now, Harden's not a bad trade. Either way, you were in a position where you had to trade for somebody. Daryl was going to go Harden anyway. It is what it is. But people that are saying like Harden doesn't make this team better or Harden makes this team worse or whatever they're saying, it's absolutely ridiculous. I agree with you on that. Um, <sighs> let's see. Let me go through my notes, and then uh, I might pop up and take some phone calls, man. First half, 
A lot of perimeter ISO to start the game. I didn't like that too much. Uh, Joel Embiid was settling for jump shots against Stephen Adams. I said that in the first in the first quarter, and then, but I realized like, you know, Stephen Adams is a good defender. He's gonna he's gonna rely on jump shots. Uh, at least you know the majority of it, or half half of his shots are gonna be jump shots. Whatever. Uh, he wasn't going right at him right when the game started. But there were definitely times where we saw old school back to the basket bully ball from Joel Embiid in this game. And it was nice to see, man. It was nice to see. Uh, Joel went right at Steven Adams under the rim and finished, moved him right out of the way. And I was like, woo, bro, if he's moving Steven Adams out of the way. Nobody's stopping him. Um, and he comes back down and gets a little, gets him deep under the basket again. Little one dribble turnaround hook shot. I mean, this was like 1975 old school centers banging under the rim basketball. And it was fun to watch. And I enjoyed it. Then Joel comes to the other end of the floor and guards Ja Morant at the perimeter. Ja Morant, arguably the most unguardable perimeter player in the NBA right now. Joel Embiid stepped out to the three-point line and guarded him and forced him to shoot a bad shot. And let me tell you something. You tell me another center right now. You tell me another player right now who can bully Steven Adams under the rim, run to the other side of the floor, and guard John Moran at the three-point line. You tell me another player in the entire world right now. There's not one. It's Joel Embiid. Uh, so we're sticking around in the first quarter, right? The bench comes in. Namely, Furkan Korkmaz. And Furkan Korkmaz is one of these players that he's going to give you a, a little flashy play once in a blue freaking moon. He's going to give you something to, ooh, uh, behind the back scoop layup or something dumb. Once in a blue moon. But in the grand scheme of things, this dude can't guard my seven-year-old son. He couldn't beat my seven-year-old son at Roblox. The bench comes in the game. Memphis immediately goes on a 17-2 run. Uh... It involved Furkan Korkmaz turnovers. It involved uh, lots of offensive rebounds, and it involved wide-open layups at the rim for the Memphis Grizzlies. They ended up going on, at the end of the first quarter into the second quarter, the Memphis Grizzlies ended up going on a 20-2 run when Joel Embiid sat on the bench. And part of that, you can't make this up, ladies and gentlemen, and I don't want to say Paul Reed had a good game whatsoever, but when you're playing against athletes, when you're playing against talented athletes, you might want to put some athletes on the floor. The Memphis Grizzlies went on a 20-2 run when Joel Embiid sat, and part of that was with George Niang at center. I told you guys a million times, and I'll tell you again, this coach is constantly going to remind you how insane he is. This is the same guy that thought it was a good idea to play Paul Millsap against Giannis Antetokounmpo for eight straight minutes and gave up 17 straight points last season. This guy watched Jaron Jackson Jr., Steven Adams, and the other 6'11 dude, I don't even remember his name, 
me get his name right here just to make this podcast more professional. Uh, Ty, not Ty, uh, Brandon Clark. He watched those guys dominating the paint, grabbing rebound after rebound after rebound when Joel B went to the bench. And he thought, you know what? I should put George Niang at center. That's what I should do. Yeah, no, terrible, terrible idea. And let me tell you something. Furkan Korkmaz and George Niang on the floor together, you might as well be playing five on three. Those dudes, it, it is what it is. I like Niang. He's a nice guy, and he tries hard. I don't think he tries hard in the offseason. I don't think he tries hard in the gym. I mean, you're you're a good player. If you got in shape, you'd be a lot better. But those two guys together, it's five on three, bro. They can't guard anybody. Don't ever in your life play Furkan Korkmaz and George Niang at the same time. Don't ever in your life do that. Don't do it. It doesn't make sense. It's stupid. I'll take any player out of the G League that's at least 6'8 and athletic. Put him on the floor. Put him on the floor. Speaking of players, Doc Rivers would never play. David Roddy. I often say every NBA team has one of these players that produces from time to time, and Doc Rivers would never, ever, 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 ever even look in his way. If he looked in his direction, he would sneeze and cough because he's allergic to young developing players. David Roddy had seven points off the bench. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know who the hell that is. I've never in my life heard of David Roddy. I immediately thought of Rod Wave. I don't know who David Roddy is. Let me tell you somebody else. John Conchar. Number 46. Indiana Purdue Fort Wayne. Undrafted player, 26-year-old undrafted player out of Indiana, Purdue, Fort Wayne. What is that? Like Hack Community College? Doc Rivers would never even look in his direction. And he, what did he do? He had six points off the bench. David Roddy and John Conchar combined for 13 points off the bench. Two players that Doc Rivers would never even look at. Just wanted to throw that out there. Got a little sidetracked for a second. Uh, another super chat right here. Lawrence Telly. Lawrence Telly, what's up? Thank you for the super chat. Um, I don't know if you were trying to type a message there or not. Uh, if you have a message, man, go ahead. and Lawrence Telly. There you go. Uh, look at the time of players' points and who played little minutes. Lee, Lee never played. Yeah, I mean it's Saban Lee. Uh, it's Saban Lee. Um, Doc Rivers ain't gonna play no Saban Lee, man. Like I just said, like I just said, David Roddy and, and John Conchar combined for thirteen points off the bench. Doc Rivers ain't playing Saban Lee. Played Furcon twelve and a half minutes. Played Daniel House 18. What is Dan what is Daniel House, man? What it what what really is Daniel House? David Conchar had more points than Daniel House. David Roddy had more points than Daniel House. What is Daniel House, man? What is Daniel House? Another thing is this, man. Uh Shake Milton 
played almost 40 minutes in this game, had 17, but I don't think Shake Milton was used right. And and I didn't see a whole lot of strategy or, or plays being called. Uh, with Shake Milton, you should be attacking the Shake Milton, Joel, and B pick and roll. That's what you should be doing. That's 100% what you should be doing. You should be attacking the Shake Milton, Joel, and B pick and roll. Shake Milton's a good pick and roll point guard. You should be exploiting the pick and roll. The, I, I, the first Joel Embiid, Shake Milton pick and roll I saw in this game was with five minutes left in the fourth quarter. It's just not, it just doesn't make sense at the end of the day, which is why we say if, if you're going to win a championship with Doc Rivers, you, you have to have eight really good players who can just ball because Doc's not going to get strategic. He's not going to get creative. He's not even going to hardly call plays. So like I said, George Niang on the, on the JJ Reddick podcast made a comment and they all laughed about how they don't even practice. It's ridiculous. But we're stuck with it. We're stuck with it. We're stuck with it. I'm telling you right now, we're stuck with it. We are stuck with it. So we got to hope that this roster can do what they can because we're stuck with it. Doc is here for another two years. It's $25 million a year. Josh Harris doesn't give a flying shit about basketball. He's not firing the coach and, and, and eating $50 million. I'm kind of over the Doc Rivers thing at this point. I kind of don't even want to talk about him anymore. He's not getting fired. We got to live with it. Anyway, uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. tackled and beat at half court. Don't know what that was about. Uh, the Sixers were getting owned on the boards, and Doc put Niang in. I already said that. Uh, Joel got blocked by Jaron Jackson and Steven Adams at the same time. Two 6'11 guys. Imagine having two 6'11 guys on the floor at the same time. Imagine having two six eleven guys on your roster at all. Uh, like if I like, I, I feel like a different coach would have would have tried to play Joel Embiid and Charles Bassey together. You know, you you just you haven't seen somebody really try anything outside the box, and Doc's not going to do that. He's never going to try anything outside the box. He's going to stick to his guns. He's an old man in the recliner. It is what it is. What it is. Um. Tobias Harris postered Jaron Jackson Jr. I was quite shocked about that. Uh, a Tobias strong finish dunk at the rim. I said last night, why do we have so many players that won't dunk the ball? So I think Tobias watches my show. He was tired of me talking shit. He said, this dude keeps coming at me. I was sick last game. He said I, He said they pulled me because they wanted to trade me. What's wrong with this DJ Eastwood guy? I'm going to go out there tonight and dunk on Jaron Jackson Jr. Well, thank you, Tobias. I appreciate you watching the show. And I appreciate you producing every single time I talk trash about you. Another thing Tobias Harris did. He had 21 points in his game. He had 11 rebounds. I always say that rebound stat shows effort. There's no better way to judge how much effort a player was given in a game than look at those rebound numbers. Tobias was going hard in this game. 21 and 11. A poster dunk. He was 5 for 6 from the three-point line. Uh, I disappeared a little bit in the fourth quarter, but Joel was trying to take over. Good game from Tobias Harris. Keep up in that trade value, Toby. Hashtag trade value, Toby. You keep up that up then up in that trade value. And Daryl Morey, every single time Tobias Harris starts a game 0 for 7 in the first half, you yank him at halftime and you tell everyone he has the flu. 
It's I know that's what you did, and that's a good strategy. All right. Tobias said, listen, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna go 0 for 7 in the first half. I'm gonna play. Let me play. He said, All right, I'm gonna let you play. If you go 0 for 7 in the first half, I'm yanking him and I'm telling you have the flu again. Keep the strategy going, Daryl, and Tobias keep playing hard. <laughs> Uh, oof, DJ, admit it. It's quite clear you watched highlights. GTFOH. What are you talking about, bro? I just watched the whole damn game. <laughs> what? Bro, I just sat and watched the whole game. Who are you talking to, bro? I watch every single game. I'm like, I'm mad at the fact that I watch every single game. How are you going to sit up here and say I watched highlights? The hell's wrong with you, bro? That's why I can't read all the comments, man. That's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard in my life. It's clear you watched highlights. I just talked about Jaron Jackson Jr. tackling and beat at half court in the second quarter. Is that on the highlights? No, it's not. Just talked about Jaron Jackson Jr. and and, and Steven Adams blocking him at the same time through him. Is that on the highlights? Probably not. Now I'm so mad I poured a bad beer, man. Look at that. Look at all the head on that. You ruined my drink with your dumb comment. <laughs> Scott, man, thank you for being a member and thank you for super chatting. Let's just got an MVP chant. Scott Soton, everybody. Uh, Bassey was only spurred with a positive plus minus in the loss to the Pelicans tonight. Maury didn't stick to his guns weak. Uh... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Maury didn't stick to his guns. He didn't. Maury let Doc Rivers bully him around. And I've tweeted Maury that a couple times, and I know he reads it because Maury tweets. And every time Maury tweets, I reply, and I say, stop letting Doc bully you around. It's weird. It's weird. The 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 This is not a wine glass. This is a, a craft beer glass. Man, you guys are taking L's tonight, bro. Good Lord. All right, Eastwood, stop reading the chat, bro. Man called this a wine glass, bro. Uncultured children. I tell you what. Anyway, let me continue, man. Let me continue. Uh, the Sixers go on a 10-2 run behind Tobias Harris and Joel Embiid. Ja Morant tries to poster Embiid and gets sent. Yeah, Ja tried to dunk on Embiid like four times and got blocked every single time. So, Ja, you're nice. You're athletic as hell. You ain't dunking on Joel. Yeah, it ain't happening. It ain't happening. Uh, every time we almost went down 20, we hit a couple threes. Shake hit a three to bring it to seven points. Um, the second half, uh, the Sixers turnovers and bad rebounds strike again. Steven Adams had 11 offensive rebounds. Uh, first shake and beat pick and roll happened with four minutes left in the game, which doesn't make any sense. Daniel House was in the final lineup. Don't know what the hell's going on there. He did hit a three, but it's still Daniel House in your closing lineup. Um, Doc Rivers tried to challenge a play and accidentally called a timeout. Did you guys remember that one? That wasn't in the highlights. Uh, there was a play that went off of John Morant, and it was a six-point game at that time, which is frustrating because uh, we could have made a run. And the ball goes off Ja. Doc apparently tried to challenge it, the referees thought that he called a timeout 
He's then mad because he's saying, I didn't call a timeout. I was calling for a challenge. So they charge Doc with a timeout and they don't challenge the play. <laughs> the referees were like, nah, bro, you called a timeout. F-O-H, get out of here. Anyway, uh, Sixers were down eight uh, towards the end of the game. They played pretty good defense uh, on the Grizzlies. Wait, once the refs called it Grizzlies ball, John Morant's inbounding the ball. Memphis only has 1.5 on a shot clock, and Tobias Harris fouls Jaron Jackson Jr. on a jump shot. So Tobias had a good game, but what what better way for us to go out than Tobias Harris bailing a team out with 1.5 on the shot clock by fouling him on a jump shot? He makes both of those. Uh, Daniel House hit a three. Joel went bully ball at the end. Um, You got Shake Milton, DeAnthony Milton trying to make game-winning plays. At the end of the day, they're bench players. It is what it is. Uh, and Joel and B got blocked at the rim trying to dunk on Steven Adams. He got blocked by Jaron Jackson off to the side. Off to the side. You know, it's not like he got poster dunked. You know, it was like on Call of Duty when you got a guy lined up and some asshole coming from the left hallway that you forgot to look in. <laughs> Hits you from the side with a rocket launcher or one of them, one of those grenades, under-the-gun grenade launchers. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so I'm not mad at Joel for that. It was good effort. There's my assessment of the game, man. There's my assessment of the game. Uh, I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll, uh, I don't know. Should we talk about it? Let's talk about it. Let, let, let's talk about it. Let's open the phone line real quick for a couple minutes and talk about it because I got some questions for you. Okay. My question is. And I want you to uh, let me open the let me open the phone thing here. I know my mic's gonna go crazy when I open it, so bear with me for a second. All right, there we go. The uh, the 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 phone lines are open. There's the phone number on the. What's bottom. up, my dude? There's the phone number on the bottom right of the screen. And my question to you when you call the show is, will the Sixers continue the bench production they've been having when the starters are back? Do you expect James Harden coming back on Monday to make a great impact on this team or not? And do you think the biggest issue with this team is the coach or the roster? Caller number one, man, we got my guy, Jarrett Newsom. What's going on, my man? What's up, my man? Hey, man. First and foremost, I got to give it to you. These people got to stop with this garbage, man. <laughs> Do they realize we, and I say we, as Sixer fans, watched the Sixers when they were tanking 
So get off that garbage about you not watching the games. You watching highlights. <laughs> All right, I have my little tangent. I'm gonna go on, get talk about this. Game. I know. Why, why would I? Why would I? Why would I do a post game live if I just watch highlights? That doesn't make any sense. I watch it and go to sleep. I watch the highlights and go to bed, bro. <laughs> but they don't understand the enthusiasm. How we've been starving, man. They don't understand the passion of what we're doing up here. I'm, I'm, I'm right here with you, bro. Man, it's like you up here saying the same thing I be saying. But I'm gonna tell you, in this game, they shot 11 more free throws. We got out rebounded by fourteen. Yep. And simply, you said it the best. You can't play all these slow-footed guys together. <laughs> Come on. No, you can't. Court, court mods and the bus, the van, whatever they call him. <laughs> Come on, man. They can't play them together. It's interesting that for for a coach to even make that decision. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I agree with you, man. I agree with you because I came on here with a take, man. And just like I said, you can't play all them slow-footed guys together. And I agree totally with you. So we, we can go to the next one I have. Let's the go. only assessment we're going to be able to make is when the team is fully healthy. And being able to do that, we're going to be able to do that by seeing them all play together. So we had to see what kind of game the other guys had. So it's pretty good that, you know, unfortunately we had guys get hurt and so on. But we got a chance to see the return of Shake. Yep. You know what I'm saying? We got yep. a chance to see Milk Ball. Hey, Shake is a piece. Uh-huh. You know, and I feel like him coming off the bench is going to be beautiful for us. Well, I, I don't think I, I don't think I saw him early enough in the fourth quarter. Uh, you know when you really kind of needed creation in the game. So uh, I don't have faith that he's going to be used right. Well, you know he's like you said, he's a bench player for a reason, bro. He's just a piece off the bench. If he was good enough, he would start. Come on, man. Let's, oh yeah, let's, for let's, sure. Yeah, he's not. He's not he's good enough to like, start. <laughs> it's the truth, bro. Let's look for the word it is, man. Hey, yeah, you you controversial anyway. That's why I watch you. <laughs> if Shake was good enough, he'd start. But he's not. He can't play over Massey. Him and Massey came in about the same time. Massey is a burner. But he's got game. He had the 39 points as a rookie. I'm like, man, wait a minute, Jake. And yep. then Massey did the same thing. He had 39 as a rookie. Mm-hmm. But that that speed that and Matthew had, man, that's you so. Can't, you do, can't do, you, teach that. Well, do you see, you know, Doc doing the right things with these lineups when the starters come back? Because now that now that you see, hey, look, we have bench production. So the, you, we for two years in a row now we've had air quotes the worst bench in the NBA. Is it really the worst bench in the NBA, or is it not being used right? You know what I'm saying? So do you see the starters coming back and Doc finally playing Shake in the right role at the right time and? Using the right guys off the bench for enough minutes in in the right combinations, because I don't. Great question. It's a great question, man. Because I'm exasperated thinking about it. <laughs> and the thing is, this. when they got rid of Isaiah Joe, I was like, man, Joe was a beast. Joe was just slim. He was basically he was basically Durant when he came in the league, skin and bones, but he could still shoot. <laughs> He's a scorer, a flasher. He showed it in the summer league. It was a, it, Are you cutting? He was a he was a dollar general Durant. I'll say that. 
Dollar, dollar tree. I would never go there. I would never go there. <laughs> compare him to Durant. But I'm just saying his body type. Yeah, he's yeah. not as good as Durant, of course. But his body type. Yeah. We know Durant couldn't bench his body weight when he first came in the league. I don't think he can bench his body weight right now. <laughs> he does look awful skinny, man. <laughs> then, then you look at Bassey. Bassey is a big man. You're not gonna see his game until the real to the to the rubber meets the road. He's not gonna show you his thing. Some players can't play during practice. We saw that with Iverson. When the lights came on, man, it's beast mode. Yep, I forever, I forever will not, I forever will not understand the refusal to give Charles Bassey any minutes whatsoever. I, I, I don't understand it at all. Charles Bassey tonight for the San Antonio Spurs in 20 minutes had 11 points, nine rebounds, a steal, and two blocks, and was a plus 12. I mean, come on. You want to know how? Come on. That's a backup center, bro. That's a backup center in in every description of a backup center. But what's ironic about that? Where did he go? (laughs) Greg Popovich. He went to a real coach. Come on, man. Let's let's put it where he is. He went to a real coach that's going to be. And look at, man. Do you think the call was the player he is today? That dude came in the league as a defensive player. Yep. But now he's a beast because where? He was able to be. He was, he had, he had uh, the three boys, Parker, Ginobili. Yeah. Then he had Duncan over there. And Popovich said, look, man, you can guard LeBron one-on-one. What did he do? Locked him down and made his name for him. And then he added a game to it. Because of what? Coaching. Mm-hmm. The only thing we've all, both of us have came to the determination is we're living with a dinosaur. <laughs> I told you, we have to have Sam Cassell because he's going to nurture. We saw one commercial. Hey, listen, you're going to do this, you're going to do that, you're going to do this. But why am I shooting again? Because you missed. Yeah, yeah. And he cussed. Uh-huh. At, at James Harden. Yeah, I don't care. Who, I don't care who the hell you are. You're doing the drill yeah. the way that it's done. <laughs> See, that's where we that's where we are. You're like, look, man, talk to you. Hey, anybody worth they sought want to be coached. And if you can identify with these players on their level, like, hey man, I ball, dude. I won with Houston. Yeah. I've won some championships. I was over there with Kenny Smith. I was over there with Robert Ory. And let's not forget about the green, the, the dream shake, one of the best centers ever footwork. But he never had no shot like Joe Embiid. No. He didn't. So it's just, it's just man, it, it's mind blowing. It is, Some man. Of the it is. I see him coaching. Cause it is. Just like you said, you said it's a bad bro. And I, I mean, that's why I be just sitting there soaking in everything you said. He wouldn't have won no championship nowhere else. Other than Boston, you got no. four. You got four Hall of Famers, including Rondo. Yeah, who didn't care about scoring, and he had three scores. Yep. Hey, what Pierce, what Pierce say? What Pierce say? He said, "You did you call? Did you call Banks? I call game. <laughs> That's a dog right there, man. I call game. <laughs> I don't care Durant. You have Garnett over there. Yeah, Garnett. Then you have big old." Perkins was an enforcer. Yep. But yep. then you had the smoothest jump shot I've ever seen 
and Ray Allen. Oh, yeah. The robot. I called him the robot, man. He was so square and precise. He had the most perfect form I've ever seen in my life. He just catch the ball. He wouldn't even set his feet. He wouldn't even set his feet. He would catch the ball, and his body would just like morph into a perfect jump shot. <laughs> but, bro, you go to that jump shot that he hit that helped LeBron win the first championship. Uh-huh. Yeah. When he, when he was over there with Miami, he yeah. shot the jumper the same way every single time. Every time, Jared. Every time. Every time. Yeah. I agree. Hey, Jared. Yeah, I agree completely with you, man. Um, I don't know what to expect when Harden mm-hmm. comes back. Uh, but thanks for calling as always, man. I appreciate you. Yeah, man. It's always a day. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, man. It's like talking to my, my myself <laughs> and salt and pepper food. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Unseasoned. <laughs> Unseasoned. Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> All right, man. Take it easy. <laughs> Jarrett just called me the unseasoned version of himself. The unseasoned version of himself, man. That's what he called me, man. All right, let's go to two the two one five. Soton Scott, man. Hey, thanks, thanks for waiting. Um, thanks for waiting on the line, man. What's up, man? Oh uh, man. Hey, first of all, let me tell you, I love you, dude. Thanks, buddy. Of course. You were so much fun. I love watching you. <laughs> thanks. I appreciate that. <laughs> and uh I got Two points. The yeah, first one I put in the text about Bassey, and it's part of a larger theme here because, like, I don't understand Maury and Doc Rivers' relationship. It seems I like Maury. I thought was going to come in here and just take charge. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it seems like he just bows down to Rivers. I don't get it, man. I don't get it. Why is he? Doing that because he seemed like such a strong GM. Yeah, right. And who's call, who's calling the shots? You're right because he these are guys that he drafted, and then you're you know he's got to be looking at it like I drafted this guy knowing that he had potential, and the coach never gave him a shot, and then he releases him. Yeah, I don't get it. I don't get it either, man. I do not get. It. I, I mean, it's it's a weird it's a weird relationship that I still don't understand. Maybe by the end of the season we'll understand it. But here's here's the here's the number one thing about that relationship. <laughs> if everybody's calling for Doc Rivers to be fired and Maury just bows down in front of Rivers, he'll never be fired. He went, he's not gonna be fired. He's gonna be here the whole season. The uh, whole season. Yeah. Might as well get used to it. No, yeah, I don't think he's going to get fired halfway through the season anyway. I, I just don't. Unless the Sixers really go, go on a bad run and, and and everybody in the arena's booing, chanting, fired Glenn or whatever. Yeah, I don't see it happening halfway through the season. But I do think if they don't get out of the second round, then Doc Rivers has to has to go because you're getting closer. Okay. You're getting closer to the end of the Joel Embiid experiment. You know what I'm saying? You got to try something else. Right. Yeah. End of the year. Yeah. Okay. But. It ain't going to happen during here. It's no. With Maury there, the way he's acting, it ain't going to happen during here. So, I don't think so either. Second point. Um, Tobias Harris been playing out of his mind with the starters out. And you ask the question, so what's going to happen when the starters get back? Yep. Here's what's going to happen. Harris is going to go back to his role as the fourth player, fourth option, underutilized. I mean, for his talents, he's going to be underutilized on his mm-hmm. team. I'm not saying he's the best player on this team. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying for his talents, he's going to be underutilized. 
his trade value probably is the highest I could imagine right now. You know what I mean? Yep. The way he's been playing the last couple of weeks with all the uh, Harden and Maxie and everybody else out. I think Maury's got a window right now with Harris. Mm-hmm. So he, Absolutely. He really, I really hope he's looking around. I think, he's, I think he's definitely looking around. I think he's definitely looking around. I think there's teams that look at how Tobias Harris has been playing these past couple of games and say, you know, there's teams that there's teams that need a stretch. I don't know what to call him. Is he a small forward? Is he a, is he really a stretch four? Uh, yeah, I think there's teams. I think there's teams that could use him. And you're right. He's not the best player in the world, but he has talents, and he's not it, the, the, he's not the best fit. He's not the best fit for Joel Embiid and James Harden, and I don't think they are the best fit for his talent level to get the most out of him. So yeah, I think he's better nope. served on a different team. You can get something for him, and I think. Honestly, if I'm Tobias Harris and I'm playing like this, and I know I'm about to go back into a fourth man role, I might be rec- I might be over in the, in the you know I might be walking into office like, hey, are you guys trading me? Because I kind of don't want to go back to being a fourth option. Yeah, yeah right. Because he knows he can see he sees what he could do. He knows what he could do. You know, like yeah, exactly. And so let's get something. Oh man, I I really hope he's I really hope Maury's doing something behind the scenes here with Harris because I think he is. I think this. This is the time to do it. You know what I mean? Like this is the time when he showed he's showcased what Harris can do for any team that needs, you know, a second or third option. Not not a first option, you know, but a second or third really good option. Yep. Out there. And then hopefully I don't we can turn it into either through getting draft picks and trading them or whatever. Turn it into a really good three and D guy, a couple, maybe a couple three and D guys. Yep. And the other thing is, I would put Shake Milton in as um, a wing, small forward. I wouldn't play him as a guard when everybody comes back. And if you can get a real point guard, somebody who's a real distributor, Off point guard, get him and put Shake Milton as a. I think he would be a really good wing, really good small forward. He's got he's got the length for it. He, he's not got the foot speed for defense, so that's kind of an issue. But he's definitely an inside outside player. He's really good inside, you know. Yeah. So if they could get a three and D power forward backup or even start in place of PJ, you know what I mean? And that well, yeah, that, that, that PJ thing's another issue because he's being he's being paid you know ten million a year and he's Doc just loves him because he's thirty seven and experienced. He's never going to stop starting PJ Tucker unless somebody up top no, tells, no, tells him to stop. I know it's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> but no, hey, man, yeah, well, I, I appreciate you in charge of this team, whether Doc, but it appears to be Doc for right now. So it's Doc for right now, man. Yep, we got to go. we're going to go at least the rest of the season with with Glenn Rivers. It is what it is, man. Hey, oh, Lord. Hey, okay, man. man. Well, hey, I love you, dude. And, uh, you know, having a good head on a dark beer, I think it's supposed to be the way it's supposed to go, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want, yeah, you want like an inch and a half. I had, I had a good three inches there. You know what I mean? But, but yeah. All right, <laughs> All right man. Thank you. All right, man. Shout out to the 215, Scott Solomon. I don't know if Scott had a voice changer like you guys are saying he had, but, uh, you know. Yeah, look, I'm gonna double down. I'm gonna triple. I'm gonna triple down, man. In the words of Joe Budden, I'm gonna double down. 
Yes, you need to trade Tobias Harris. Absolutely, you need to trade Tobias Harris. My man just said it on the phone, and I'm going to say it again. He's been playing good. He's not the best fit for this roster. He's not what Joel Embiid needs next to him offensively or possibly, more importantly, defensively. He's not what James Harden or Tyrese Maxey needs offensively or possibly more important defensively. And I think Tobias Harris himself could be utilized better. His talents could be utilized better on a different team. So the best case is happening right now. He's playing great. He's averaging 22, 23, 24 points a game. You can sell him right now because guess what? He only has two years left on the deal, including this season. So next season is the last year of the contract so that, that you know you can it's easier to trade when it's when it's one contract left so you can sell it right now because the team knows yeah I'm taking on this big contract but if it doesn't work out I can trade him on an expiring deal and yes to answer your question the real royal John Collins is the answer. I'm going to keep saying it. I'm going to keep saying it. John Collins is the answer. They don't want him in Atlanta. They need more. They they need some more scoring wings over in Atlanta. They got two point guards, and then they got Clint Capella and John Collins, and neither of those guys are offensive-minded. John Collins is a bad fit on the Atlanta Hawks. Tobias Harris is a bad fit on the 76ers. Hey! Let's go do a switcheroo. And the reason I say John Collins is because what you need next to Joel Embiid defensively and offensively, you need a player who's not trying to score, not a ball stopper. You don't need your fourth option to be a ball stopper. A rim-running, rebounding shot blocker. Let me say it again for you. I'm not saying John Collins is a better basketball player than Tobias Harris. He is a better fit on this team than Tobias Harris. That's the only reason I say it. A rim-running, rebounding shot blocker. You know when we played the Atlanta Hawks, John Collins had 11 rebounds and four blocks. You let me know the last time Tobias Harris had 11 rebounds and four blocks. You're giving you're giving James Harden a lob threat. You're giving Tyrese Maxey a lob threat. And you get a guy who he's not he's not shooting a high percentage so far this season, but he's shot in, he's shot high 30s and he had a 40%. He's he's had 40% three-point shooting in a season before. He can shoot the 3. He's not shooting great this season, but he can shoot the 3. And he's a rim-running, rebounding Shot blocker. That's the only reason. You get off of the Tobias Harris contract and you get a rim-running, rebounding shot blocker in return. That's it. It's not that complicated, bro. It's not that complicated. Daniel House is our John Collins. You see, now I'm going to stop reading your comments. Like, what are you talking about? (laughs) Uh... Jonathan Valesque, Val, I'm sorry if I said your name wrong. We'll call you Jonathan V. Uh, okay, hear me out. Trade Tobias for Bo Cruz. I don't know who Bo Cruz is. I'm not. I'm not going to tell you. I'm not. I'm not going to. 
Rim running, rebounding, shot blocker, Paul Reed. Yeah, nah. We're talking about a real... <laughs> we're talking about a real rebounding shot blocker. Not Paul Reed. But I like the thought that, you, that you're going with. I like the thought that you're going with. And hey, you you uh, you left a comment on my on one of my clips earlier today, and I wanted to say, man, that's a good comment. And thank you for thank you for watching the channel and thank you for participating. Um, Embiid read lineup is I'd like to see it experimented. Uh, Romp said it on Twitter during the game in the fourth quarter. You know, I'd like to see that experimented, but I guess. You know that that's probably definitely not going to happen, uh, because he's never going to stop starting PJ Tucker. But also, uh, I don't even know if if Doc would would be on par or or on in line with with bringing in John Collins because he probably wouldn't play him next to Embiid either. I don't know. A lot of it has to do with Doc Rivers, man. A lot of it has to do with Doc Rivers. Now, what what I said earlier is this team can win with Joel Embiid if you put the right players around him. Even with what I consider deficiencies uh, of Doc Rivers. So my question in the chat for the chat is can this team win this season, imagine James comes back from the foot injury and he's healthy. Tyrese Maxey comes back from the foot injury and he's healthy. And you get those, you get the big three. Not so sure about Tobias and PJ in the starting lineup. Maybe Doc changes the starting lineup. I doubt it, but maybe he does. And you get good production from Shake Milton, DeAnthony Melton, George Niang, and Paul Reed at backup center. I think you put the right pieces around Joel Embiid, you can compete with anybody. Celtics, Heat, Bucks. No, 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 no. You, you, we are, we are forgetting. We are taking for granted that we have Joel Hans Embiid in his prime. You put the right players around Joel Embiid, you can compete with anybody. We just beat the Bucks and kicked Giannis off the court and put a ladder in front of the rim. We beat the Bucks last year. We absolutely spanked the Brooklyn Nets, and Maxi went out at halftime. We'll see what happens the next time we play Boston, if we're all healthy. Brandon, this Philly team isn't getting out of the first round. Cleveland is better. Come on, bro. We're, we played them with nobody. And they shot 80% from the field. You saw tonight. Memphis is a good team. We were in that game 100% because of Joel Embiid. If you got Maxie and Harden in that game, we'd probably win that game against the fourth seed in the West. I'm just saying, let's not all act like it's all the world is over because we're injured right now. You have to remember we don't have our guys. Scott Sotan says, no, that's my real voice. Hey, shout out to you, man. (laughs) 
The people in the chat said you had a voice changer. Uh, what happened to PJ Tucker? I have no idea. He's allergic to shooting a basketball now. I don't get it. Yeah, the Heat are not better than us. No. Can't always go on regular season games, though. Uh, I agree with that. Um, look, the Boston. We, get, we I always use this example, but I'm going to use it again. The Boston Celtics were terrible last season, the beginning of the year. Terrible, terrible. They looked awful. We smacked the Boston Celtics by 30 last year in the beginning of the season. Do you remember that? They looked awful, and they turned it into an NBA Finals appearance. Uh, corner threes is fine with me. I never want to see a P.J. Tucker floater again for the rest of my life. You're better off turning around, throwing the ball over your head than, than P.J. Tucker floater. And you say he shoots corner threes? He doesn't even shoot corner threes. I'm so tired of watching this guy pump fake I can throw up. This guy gets wide open three after wide open three at the corner, and he pump fakes takes a dribble, pump fix again, and passes it. I'm so sick of seeing that from P.J. Tucker. Shoot the damn ball. Anyway, I think we're just injured right now. We're about to get our guys back. And we'll see what happens. I don't think Doc Rivers is ever going to outcoach somebody. I don't think his lineups are going to be creative. But if you get eight players in the playoffs, you get good production out of Shake Milton, DeAnthony Melton. I can't say Daniel House, man. Uh, Paul Reed, I don't know. I would like the backup center to be Charles Bassey. Maybe they trade Tobias for some other pieces. I'm just saying it's possible. That's all I'm saying. I'm trying to be optimistic here. Look, I'm I'm turning a new leaf, man. Uh, I'm turning a new leaf. I'm looking at the brighter side of life. Uh, I'm not looking at the potholes. I'm looking at what's left in the road. You know what I'm saying? I just came up with that right now. Anyway, I'm, I'm you know. Looking on the bright side. <laughs> but hey, thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you for the super chats. Thank you for everyone who uh, uh, called into the show. I appreciate each and every one of you. Um, I won't be back tomorrow. Uh, I will be back. The Sixers play su- They don't play Sunday, right? It's not a back-to-back, is it? I don't think they play tomorrow or Sunday. They don't play tomorrow. They don't play Sunday. They play Monday at 8 against the Houston Rockets. And it's apparently, apparently it's James Harden's return. And then for some reason, they have three days off until they play the Lakers on December 9th. I mean, I guess they have three days off because it was a road trip. I don't know. The schedule is weird. They got back-to-back after back-to-back after back-to-back. And then they got four days off and then three days off. Either way. Um. DJ is scaring me with all this positivity. Hey, look, man, here's what happened. I've been sleeping a lot more. I've been drinking a lot less. And I've been back in the gym heavy for like a month and a half. I feel amazing. So maybe that's why I'm being positive, man. And if if you're struggling in life and you need some positivity, you need a good feeling, man, go lift some weights. I'm telling you, it makes uh, it works for me, bro. <laughs> Don't make me lose my mind. 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 Don't make me lose my mind.
test me. <laughs>